0: Hey gang, West Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine checking in. It is Monday, October 21st, a little after lunchtime here, and we are diving into the the second. This is actually like the 17th episode of the West Buck Show podcast. I've I've I'm trying to figure out the numbering system on this whole thing, but this is the second time I've done this reaction time version of the show. And what I really want this to be is a, a Monday, immediate, uncut, unfiltered kind of fast-paced reaction to what I saw this past weekend, right? there's This weekend was especially interesting. There's all this stuff that went on, tons of racing. We had the PDRA World Finals in Virginia. We had the NHRA National Event in Dallas. Of course, we had No Mercy 10 down in Valdosta. Just a lot of drag racing going on. So there's a ton of stuff to cover. And uh, last week, I was, I was out here solo, and it was a little rough, I have to admit. I kind of felt like, uh, felt abandoned, Like I was out on an island or perhaps blindfolded in a basement closet. I'm not sure, but I was here alone. I got through it, but I'm very happy to have my partner in crime, Murder Tundra, back. What's up, dude? Well, thank you. Well, it feels good, man. I mean, sometimes we talked about this the other day. It's like while you're not necessarily like a super hardcore drag racing guy you you have become one in the last 5 years there or however long 7 years maybe that you've been here at drag illustrated not sure it's been a it's been, it's a, been while. a minute it's yeah. been a minute but i always enjoyed that like you bring a different perspective because you're such a hardcore sports fan like you're so tuned into the nfl and mlb and the nba even um college sports, you've paid attention to this stuff so long. You've watched so many sports shows. I don't know if that's a com- a compliment or not. But you've watched so much of this stuff, usually at a bar um, with you know 37 beers behind you. But you've watched so much of this stuff that I think you have a fresh opinion. And it's tough for me, admittedly, as much as I like to wear rose-colored glasses, and uh, I pride myself in being endlessly optimistic and excited about all this stuff that goes on. When you've been around the sport of drag racing your entire life, worked in it for 15 years, it's hard not, at times, to just be a little jaded, right? Right. A- and I think that you bring a fresh perspective and just some enthusiasm. I can't count the number of times we'll be leaving a race, you and I, and I'm like, wow, I was a f- mess, oh my God, what a disaster, and you're going... Well, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. That one car <laughs> was real fast, man. That one, that guy was super cool, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. Shame on me. So, anyways, I'm glad to have you back, man. Um, I'll get this out of the way here real quick. My apologies about your boy, your Mahomey, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. Man. Out for, what, three weeks? Yeah, three to five, yeah. Three to five? Three to five, yeah. Man, football is... Can you? It's be like watching football without Patrick Mahomes is going to be a lot like it, that'd be like watching drag racing without Stevie Jackson. Just someone that's guaranteed excitement. I know. It's it's going to be tough for the NFL, not just Chiefs fans, for the entire NFL.
1: Oh, even them playing on like Thursday night, you know. Then Sunday rolls around, you are like, man, my team's not playing. Which I am in like fourteen fantasy <laughs> leagues, so you know, I guess everything else works out too. But
0: no, but it is it's true, yeah. right? Because yeah. I think there are a whole lot like like Steph Curry in the NBA and LeBron James before him and Michael Jordan before him and, you know, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe in there. There's been all these people in the NBA that I'm able to identify rather quickly that just captured the attention of the mainstream. Like, right. not necessarily hardcore b-ball fans. These guys just, you start to hear, you see the highlights, you hear about it, you hear people talking about it at the water cooler, and the next thing you know, you're watching the game on Sunday. Right,
1: and that's what, like, Jordan did for the NBA at one point, too, I'd, I'd say, you know. Yeah, I mean, and I
0: think Mahomes... Like Alex I mean,
1: Laughlin this weekend, you know, yeah, running man. two races. You yeah, know, what I mean, yeah, like, you
0: get there are people that just can kind of capture your imagination, man, right. and uh, it's uh, it's fun and it's exciting. And I, I just I wanted to apologize because it actually hurts my. Feel. I've abo- I've adopted the Chiefs finally. It's yeah, taken this guy went from years.
1: a Denver fan to uh, a Chiefs fan. I don't even know if that's possible to do. I don't or know. We should allow it, it should be. But, it's illegal. You
0: know, it's definitely illegal in like forty nine states. Maybe we'll have
1: a jersey burning where you can burn all your old. Broncos gear okay
0: well if that's what I have to do that's what I have to do because I am I'm riding Patrick Mahomes coattail as far as it will take us man so go Chiefs anyways I did want to touch on it I I touched on it there briefly but a huge shout out to the whole PDRA camp man to to go into the PDRA world finals I wanted to touch on this right early in the show because it it's one of those things that this is an event, like like so many, this time of the year, these these late season events, they just get a reputation for being a marathon. And I wanted to say here, right off the top, just that I was super proud of, of Tyler Crossno the entire PDRA race team, that whole group, Judy and Tommy Franklin, the people that they've put in place, to, to put together an event like that with that many cars, with that much racing to get through, and to have that whole thing buttoned up by... 9.30, 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, really, like you said, just yeah. as it should be. I think it
1: should be. I mean, like, you know, it's a show.
0: It's you a know, show. For the fans. I mean, is, it, and know. if you want people to be tuned in, if you want to see the final rounds go down in front of people with a, a captive audience, these races have to end at a reasonable time, in my opinion. Now, listen, I'm hardcore I'm all for a 2 a.m. final round every once in a while, and I do have some starry-eyed, nostalgic memories of being at Rockingham at 3 a.m., running the final at Pro extreme or whatever. But those need to be rarities. So when it happens, it's kind of fun and cool. Right. It can't be the norm. It has to be the exception to the rule. The rule is the race needs to end at a good time. I agree. Th- that's the rule. And it was so cool to see the PDRA – Just go out on such a positive note. Big fields, great racing, champions crowned, head into the offseason, in my opinion, with more momentum than they've ever had. This is what momentum looks like. I mean, when you finish this race like this, when you have people positive and wound up and excited enthusiastic about what happened the the freshest memory is a good one. I think that's very important. When you're moving forward and you're going into these long periods, 2 3 months without racing, you need to, everybody to remember how great things went. Yeah. At, at the last time they were there. The last thing you want is everyone to look back and go, "Oh my god, I'm not looking forward to doing any more of that." Well, you're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear that. You're going to hear a whole lot of racers and fans that were completely satisfied with the way things shook out and I just think that Crossno, Tyler Crossno, uh, former Drag Illustrated, uh, 30 under 30 alumni. I um, mean, is it not a former alumni? He is a Drag Illustrated class of, I think, 16, uh, 30 under 30 alumni. Great young man, great great kid for the sport. And I just think uh, he did a good job. He did a really good job. And we really, gotta, we everybody over
1: there. You know I mean? Everybody over there racers, the staff, everybody is just awesome at the PDRA.
0: Oh, man. They're wonderful people. And. It, for me, it was just exciting to have them. I've been wanting this to happen. It's one of those things that get, it kind of gets me twisted up inside because I just want that deal to be painfully successful, blatantly obvious, over-the-top successful. I feel like they've done so many things right. They've made all these huge investments. They, they, they work with racers. They work with sponsors. They have great relations with tracks and track operators, and I think they've just done so many things right that I was just glad to see them able to bookend the season on a high note, go out, uh, you know, feeling good with everybody excited. And I got to tell you, you know, the, the racing itself was pretty spectacular. I've got notes strewn about here everywhere, Murder Tundra. <laughs> but I do. Uh, this is something else that needs noted. And there's a lot to talk about this week, you know, from this past weekend. But you can't say enough about what Jim Halsey and company, Jim Halsey, Kathy Krause, Eric Davis, that whole crew up there out of Maryland. I've always been a big fan of Jim. He's one of these legendary pro-mod guys. He's a a name. He's had marquee value for as long as I can remember, man. And I talked about this actually last week that I felt like it would be very difficult to bet against Jim Halsey going into this final race of the season. Tommy Franklin was a couple of rounds, I think three rounds behind him in pro-nitrous competition. And to see Jim Halsey go out and just Stake his claim to the championship. Just get it locked in immediately. It was really impressive, man. I mean, and, and some stuff has gotten, I mean, if you can't really do any better, if you think about this, this may be one of, uh, there's been some impressive runs. Jason Harris had a really impressive run in pro nitrous a few years ago. There's been some guys be hyper dominant, but I believe Jim Halsey ended one of the most incredible seasons of racing in the history of door slammer drag racing. He qualified number one set the ET record and won in the final and won his fourth race of the season. A couple of weeks ago at the Darlington race, Darlington Dragway, the PDRA rolled into Darlington for their second to last race of the season. I think he went 362 in every elimination round. Wow. This is ridiculous <laughs> yeah. man. I mean to go 362 and go back up there and go 362 and to go back up there and go 362, and to, go and go 362 and to go back up there and go 362 and win the race. Um it's just unbelievable, man. I think this dude is uh he's a reminder of what real deal super good racers look like. This is one of those guys that have been any t- if he's got the equipment, he's going to win, you know? And it's it's cool because this has poured fuel on the fire of the the engine builder battles, you know. Do, uh, Pat Musi has dominated PDRA Pro Nitrous for the last few years. He is Inarguably, the number one engine builder when it comes to nitrous pro mod engines. I mean, big inch nitrous stuff. He he's leading the way right now. But this is a reminder that there's some competition out there, man. Fulton competition on the hood scoop of Halsey's car. You got uh, Buck Racing engines. You got Albert Racing engines. You got Sonny's Racing engines. You've got all these guys that are fighting this second. I wouldn't say even secondary. This other battle, right? There's a battle going on on the racetrack, right. But there's a battle going on under the hoods of those cars. There, there's a battle going on with the chassis. There's a battle going on with all these different tuners that are involved in those circles. And it's just... And I left out Rear Morrison. I mean, you think about these. These are legendary, iconic names in the sport of drag racing. And to think that they're all street fighting, basically, 6, 8, 10 times a year, it's pretty amazing, man. And I just... This was a hell of a season for Jim Halsey and company. Really, really happy for those guys. And, man, the the PDRA has had a heck of a year. I do have to say that clearly God is not going to give us a three-second pass in competition by a mountain motor pro stock car. Uh, to finish the year with, like, a four triple O, a four flat, I think it was. <laughs> I mean, we've waited. This has been on the cusp, Murder Tundra, of uh, for two years, I think. At least two years, if not longer. We've been waiting for someone to run. I mean, there was talk of putting together a a three-second club for Mountain Motor Pro Stock a few years ago, quite a while ago. And to think that it's still eluding us, it's kind of exciting because it feels like the drag racing gods are just saving one. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because this stuff happens fast. I mean, you see how quickly something happens, and then it becomes, like, expected. Marcus Burt goes 350. Seven or whatever, 359 with the Nitrous car. And that's going to become an expectation very quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, everybody, nothing he does is going to be impressive until he goes faster than that, really. Because he's done it. Right. right. And it's kind of cool that the good lord's saving this three second Mount Motor Pro Stock pass for us. I mean, we've been we've been expecting it to happen for a few years now, but we 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 aren't going to get it here in 2019, it doesn't look like I suppose I don't think there's any other races that they could really go to and do it. Is there, when is the the snowboard? No, not, it's going to be 2020. I mean, if a, if a mountain motor car is going to run in the threes, it's going to happen next year, man. So it's something to look forward to. And I just, I wanted to get this PDRA talk just right off the top here because they, they, that was a great way to end the season. They've uh, fought weather, fought the conditions throughout 2019. And I was just really happy to see it kind of the stars and moon align for these guys. And I'm excited for whatever's next over there. I really got to tell you, and I, I would, what I would love, if I got to put on, you know how much I love to do this. Oh. Here we go, right? <laughs> Here we go. If I could be king for a day, if I could just weasel into some meeting and just make the decisions, I feel the stage is set to combine pro Nitrous and Pro-Boost yes it's time i think about what we saw a few weeks ago at the shakedown at uh, vmp right the shakedown nationals at virginia motorsports park pitted all pro mods of and radio cars basically of all shapes and sizes against one another in what i think will be a, a was a was a real high spot on the 2019 racing season and when i look you know, into the future and what I think the what I think the future needs, what I think drag racing in twenty twenty will need. Man, everything's cyclical, right? I mean, I was trying to actually Google this last night to kind of provide some support for this, and maybe you can come up with like a quick one off the top of your head. That's probably in not a word like that. Well, <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you think about. Trends that come and go. Right. They they come around. Surely there's something in, in, in football. Is there a trend in football that was really big ten years ago, kind of went away, and now it's coming back? I mean the well, gunslinger yeah, quarterback.
1: Like running running the ball and, and defense and now it's now it's airing it out. I mean and the oh, NFL okay. wanted that for their fans. Which well, which is exactly you could you could pull that over into drag racing. I know? think you could.
0: I mean, I think it's like the three point ball right. in in uh in the NBA. I mean there was a time when Every team was looking for a, a big power forward and a big center so they could, you know, run the pick and roll and and score in the paint, right? High right. efficiency mm-hmm. offense. They want to score. They want guaranteed buckets, right? Whereas now the NBA is comprised of teams that got like five three-point shooters on them. You mm-hmm. want guys that are freaking letting it fly every time the ball's in their hands. I mean, there used to be a question like, does that guy have the green light? Can he shoot when it's in his hands? Everybody's got a green light now. Yep. Send it. Send it. Nobody cares. Just try to make as many threes as you can. It's like a three-point contest every night that you watch an NBA game, and I think that the the the, the example or whatever, the, the analogy that I'm trying to make here is just that I think there was a time when it made perfect sense to separate the nitrous cars from the forced induction cars. There, there was a massive disparity in performance. There was, and it made sense. The only way for 8th mile door slammer racing to really survive was to separate them. I would argue that the, the screw type supercharger was driving the bus on that. And it would still, in some instances, be without proper regulation. It's still a problem. But I think that you don't have to look very far. Um, the Extreme Pro Mod in the NMCA, in my opinion, Extreme Pro Mod in the NMCA is a phenomenal example of... What can happen when all these combinations are running together? It looks, it just looks so different, man. It looks so different. And then you go to the Midwest Pro Mod Series. Keith Haney and company are having a lot of success running these cars, albeit at more of, of kind of a toned-down performance level. And that's not a, a that's not a knock. That's just a fact that they're trying to keep this thing somewhat under control and not let anybody really run away with it. But I just feel like the time has come, and I and I may be. I may be uh, unaware of some conversations that are, are, you know, leaning this way right now, but I got to tell you, if I was able to pick what happened in the future of the PDRA, it would be to pile those guys up and run them together. I I remember Outlaw 8th Mile drag racing kind of at at its height, and I remember you would crawl across broken glass to get to some of those races, truly. I mean, you couldn't miss them. You couldn't miss them for fear of of missing something, of of not, it, it was incredible, it was an electric, and if I, you know, if I start to think about, man, Tommy D'April racing Lizzie Musi, Lizzie Musi racing Melanie Salemi racing, it's unbelievable, in my opinion, when I start to think about the possibility of some of those matchups, Jay Cox going up against Tommy D'April, and you've got this brash, outspoken, you know, North Carolina native going up against this super soft spoken polished guy in Tommy D'April. It just all these different personalities, the, the there's no doubt about it that the combinations look the different combinations look great on the racetrack. I mean having a nitrous car versus a blower car versus a turbo car, those things make a difference, man. It adds to the storyline and That's my wish. I think that's my Christmas wish. It's a little early for a Christmas wish, but if you could um, call somebody, get us a Santa Claus over here, and I'd really like to see if um, there uh, is an opportunity to get me sitting on Santa Claus's lap, and I'm going to publicly wish for the publicly wish... For the PDRA to combine Pro Nitrous and Pro Boost, and I'm going to take some shit for this. I'm going to get a couple of calls from some people who hate the idea. I believe there are some nitrous racers that just love the 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 the, the, the Pro Stock on the bottle kind of aspect of of Pro Nitrous racing. But I really, really, really want to see this deal. Uh, I want to see kind of I want to see all these guys going to bat against each other, man. I want to see this whole there's so many storylines man it just for me it makes it exciting and I think that if you did it it did it as a 32 car field I think you'd be surprised I really do now granted that's a lot of racing but you could in theory you could pay you could combine the purses and damn near pay like what 20 grand to win every race I mean it just gets exciting in a big hurry man I think it added to the show don't you I mean is not that
1: do. I mean like, that, like the, the fan looking on I mean like okay, here's the main class, you know, like...
0: Right, one uh, class. One class class that is the headlining deal. And also, how about, like, if you look at, in my opinion, the NHRA Pro Modified Division, if you look at the Radial versus the World and X275 down in Georgia, when you look at these things, there's no doubt in my mind that at least one ingredient of the secret sauce is all these different cars and engine combinations. It just makes it easier to cheer for someone. It's just another thing to latch onto. Like, even if the person isn't that outspoken or you don't have the opportunity yet to, you know, fall in love with who they are as a person or make some sort of connection with them because of who they are as a person, I really believe that the the magic, there's some magic, there's some layup in the fact that all these cars are different, man. It just, it makes a difference. If I, the the casual fan can jump in the stands and they see all this plethora of cars that look dramatically different. It, it's not just paint jobs. They're not all 69 Camaros that are just painted differently with hood scoops and, and zoomies. It's it, It's a slew of different combinations. Some of the cars have screw blowers some of them have roots blowers some will be twin turbos with the visible inlets on the hood and some will some will have uh, non-visible inlets you know down low or whatever it just I think it opens it up to some diversity that that just helps that just makes it a little bit easier to create baby faces and heels good guys and bad guys I know growing up for whatever reason I always saw like, IHRA Pro modified as, like, the good guys versus the bad guys, and the good guys were the nitrous guys, and the bad guys were the blower guys. It was white hats and black hats. It was baby faces and heels. Then there was this new kind of bad guy, kind of new kid. He wasn't even a bad guy or a good guy. He was a new guy, right? So it was... Bad guys, good guys, and new guys—the turbo guys—they were like the nerdy guys. They wore glasses and carried around laptops, right? While the the good guys had six shooters and white hats, and the black guy, the black hats had like um, bandanas on and machine guns or something, right? <laughs> it was just there. It was easy to create those characters, and I think that I mean, in all fairness, you look at these classes like Pro Boost and Pro Nitrous. In a lot of ways, I just see a whole bunch of white hats. Everybody's the good guy, right? There, right. I mean. And that's we've talked about this before, that a problem that drag racing has on a large scale, I've had this conversation with a multitude of television producers where they say drag racing is awesome in so many ways. The biggest problem that exists, however, is that everybody's squeaky clean. Everybody is friendly with everybody. Everybody's related to everybody. Everybody's in business with everybody or does business with Everybody. Everyone is so afraid to put themselves out there. You for need rivalries. Of, yes, you need rivalries, You man. have to have it. You have to have it. You have to have good guys and bad guys. And it's the thing is— Those shucks I lost. I mean, it just doesn't work in sports. It does not, man. It doesn't. You have to—I need—I to was thinking about this, and there, this is a little bit of a segue because there's a lot to cover today, but I, if I go to um, provide a little reaction on the, uh, the NHRA national event in Dallas this past weekend, uh, from what I understand— Place was packed out. Huge crowd. I, I was just heard from uh Keith Haney, who who brought out his Midwest Pro mod series for an exhibition there. Sounds like things were, were fantastic. And I'm but I'm drawn to that final round in top fuel. Jordan Vandergriff going up against uh Billy Torrance, the Capco Titans. You know, I mean these guys are are crushing everybody. Billy, father of Steve Torrance, uh, last year's top fuel world champion. Really interesting thing, right? Steve goes out early. Steve's leading the points. He goes out early, um, or I think he is. Let me pull this up. Yeah, Steve's leading the Tor- the, Steve Torrance is leading the points. He goes out early. Um, there were some open doors for some of the, you know, number two, number three, the Coletta cars and the, the force cars to kind of gain some ground on the points leader. But as it, uh, as it goes, Billy Torrance ends up in the final round against top fuel newcomer Jordan Vandergriff. Jordan goes, like, 060, I think. I don't have the round results in front of me. Good, decent In a top fuel car, that's a good light, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a respectable light in top fuel. Goes out, the car smokes the tires, like, 300 feet out. Meanwhile, Billy Torrance goes 319 reaction time. Yeah. He, like, blinked, coughed clearly i mean something happened i mean he didn't know what he was he didn't know it was a bad light i mean it was and he knew that finish, he got away with one
1: finished these nachos from the concession stand. yeah something. he was yeah, doing I something mean. else
0: he was not <laughs> in the, he wasn't in the moment mm-hmm. whatever the deal was he he missed it right 319 light but the thing runs a 370 something and he blows vandergrift's doors off they come around the top end and i'm watching this on fox or whatever and no, I was watching it on NHRA TV live, baby. I'm trying to watch the stuff as it happens. I can't, I can't be bothered to watch it later. I have to watch it now. <laughs> I, I cannot, I can't do it. I, God bless every race fan that that hangs out and waits on the tape delayed broadcast. And I encourage people to watch it. It's great. The production value is better. You got loans and Pedregon. You got a lot of commentary. And I honestly can't imagine. Watching a UFC fight, I've done this without that commentary, without Joe Rogan, without John Anik, without the the cage side reporters. But uh, I'm so I'm so ate up with this stuff that I can't wait to find out what happens. I have to know. I have well, to know right now. Well, then you might know because you might you probably saw it on Facebook. And then, that's and then true. That it's true. It. I have to know in those moments. I got to know what's going on. So I'm watching it on the live stream. Right. Billy uh, jumps out of his 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 top fuel, his Capco top fuel dragster, checks in with Amanda Busick. Uh, they give him the medal. They give him the trophy. He poses for some photos, smiles it up or whatever. But before he does that, I think, yes, before he does that, this was a great move, and I'm glad I saw it. He jumps out of the car, and he goes over immediately, makes Amanda Busick chase him, right? Moves pretty fast for an older guy. Got, he, just, he, moved, he gets around, right? Hard-working Texas guy. He gets over, goes straight over to Jordan Vandegrift. This kid, I don't know how old he is. He's very young, um, early 20s, and really trying – and having a hell of a year, like doing good, right, doing a fantastic job behind the wheel, second, third-generation racer, just great, great young man. And I just met him, actually, for the first time in St. Louis, and it was he impressed me because he – We'd never met formally. And he goes, hey, are you Wes? And I'm like, yeah. And Jordan? He's like, yeah, I, I, I know who you are, but we haven't, we haven't met. Pleasure to meet you. And he was very cordial, well-dressed, slacks, polo, kind of a stud. The kid's a stud. Anyways, he climbs out of his car. They exchange words, and, and, and Billy told him, I think he, he told Amanda Busick, uh, the Fox reporter, top-end reporter, like, I told him I tried to give him one. I tried to give him one, you know. And they, the camera stuck on Jordan for a moment, and he just stood there. And he kind of like, you could tell he was dejected. And I thought, man, class act. You know, Mm -hmm. the the kid didn't, you know, he didn't throw his gloves. He didn't cry. He didn't kick the door in or kick the side of his dragster. But I got to tell you, if I'm being honest, I kind of wanted to see him cave in a body panel or something. (laughs) I mean, the car, the car let him down. He did his job. The car let him down. And. We win as a team. We lose as a team, and it's. I want to say all these things, right? I mean, and I. I mean, we literally have this situation. We had a situation with our own company, with one of my companies, this weekend, where we we had some some balls get dropped. We we screwed up a little bit, and I go, hey, nobody's fault. We we win together. We lose together, right? We succeed together. We fail together. However, in those moments, and this is, there's a difference here because I'm running a company. I'm trying to build a business. I'm I'm running a company. They're putting on a show. And there's a certain showmanship aspect that I think there are some NASCAR drivers that have embraced that, hey, man, this is who I am on TV. This is the guy I play on TV. Absolutely. Right? I mean, these the, the Bush brothers in NASCAR are yep. kind of who come to mind, yeah. right? That they well, kind of embraced he, he even this villain. Her, he
1: wasn't scared to be the, the villain. You know, yeah, like, I mean, you've like, got to be – You're going to get out of my way or I'm going to push you out tough, of my way. It's tough,
0: right? Yep. It's tough because I think all of us – it really is a it's a conundrum for all these guys cuz i know i know what it's like to operate in a small industry and you're afraid to burn bridges and you're afraid to you know to say anything that might get held against you later however man i don't think you have to look very far to see the people that really are making an impact the people that have fans and the people that that, that have developed really big followings Man, it's because they say what they think. They say what they feel. They they let people know who they are. And when you do that, not everyone's going to love you. I'll tell you, no, Alex I know Loughlin people—
1: and Stevie Jackson come great to Great examples. You know, th- those two, um, I think they do very well on social media and stuff as far as, like, they speak their mind, you know. But but and I think they do it uh, somewhat classy as well. I mean, I, they don't get on there and well, just— Well, popular, it. Yeah, right? I mean, They sometimes, don't get on there and MF everybody, but they no. just get on there and—
0: They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll rip some it. people, oh, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, people think um, these things aren't made up. They're not like, like Justin Swanstrom and Alex Laughlin, they have a legit little thing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't think these guys are going to street fight. They're not going to poison one another's food or anything, but they're not going to hang out. That's disappointing. It is disappointing. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, they're, th- it's a salty little rivalry. Right. They've talked some trash. They, they've, they've stirred the pot a little bit, and it's fine. And you know what? If some people don't like Alex because of it or don't like Justin because of it, it's okay, guys. You don't have to but be that's friends what you're with everybody. Want, but
1: that's what you're wanting. You're wanting fans to take a side. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you do. I mean, you, you want them to, you know, to hate him because he's, he's picking he's on my boy. Dick, you know? Yeah, you know man. I mean, I, mean I, I
0: just don't think there's anything wrong with it. And, I mean, I don't know. I'll never – and this – I, I can get I'm not nearly as sensitive as I used to be, let's be honest. But there That's was a, the truth. Yeah. I used to be pretty sensitive. And I remember early on in my, you know, when I first started doing these videos, first started doing this podcast, somebody put I saw a comment on Facebook, and they put that that West Buck guy thinks he knows fucking everything or whatever. And I'm like, what? No, I don't. I've never what? And he called me like I can't remember a know it all and arrogant or something. And I'm like, I like his post. well it's so funny but i mean it pissed me off man i was i was been out of shape it ruined my night like it literally ruined my day and i quickly realized like man who gives a i mean i don't care whatever i'm not trying to be that guy's best friend i i hey listen i play i work hard to get along with everybody i really do you've seen it i've eaten a lot of crow and i've you know i've kind of turned a, a blind eye to stuff on a lot of occasions just to try to you know take the high road and get along with people but uh, as i've gotten a little looser lipped as i've you know and it's something that comes with time it's uh you know that you're running the risk of of upsetting somebody or saying something that somebody doesn't agree with i said i made a comment a couple of weeks ago about hobby racers i made and that has become like a freaking triggered i mean if you call someone a hobby racer i mean it's like it's like a slur in our industry it is people do not like that label at all and but it's an it's a necessary label people get pissed about it but like there is a difference and and i'm going to talk well this is a fantastic segue thank you god thanks murder Tundra. but it's like there is a difference between what stevie jackson does and what tim slavens does when i was thinking about what that final round in no mercy represented this past weekend you've got Stevie Fast Jackson, inarguably, I think one of the biggest superstars in drag racing right now, and I would actually argue that he's the baddest dude in the game right now. Yeah. If you had to pick the best, the baddest drag racer in drag racing right now, who would you say?
1: I'd pick Stevie, yes.
0: If you had For to sure. pick the best one, yeah. who's the best racer right now?
1: him stevie jackson i I, I love it because he's driving anything i mean dude if you
0: look at this guy's last month here we go with stevie's last month this is a calendar month 30 days mind you he goes to the final at the nhra national event in st louis right really only loses the final because they kicked the bones out of that thing the bahrain one racing pro mod camaro loses to ricky smith teammate technically um goes to the shakedown right Tunes Marcus Burt to a shot-heard-round-the-world first-ever 3.5-second pass for a nitrous door car, mm-hmm. right? Takes that car to the final alongside his own car, the Shadow, a completely different car, right? With with radials on it, no bars, and a screw-blown Hemi. Mm-hmm. A, a, a far cry from his NHRA legal combination. Wins the race, right? Then goes to the NHRA national event in Charlotte, Right. Win, clinches the championship in the, the semifinal round. So wins the NHRA Pro Mod World Championship before the race is even over with another race to go. <laughs> with another race to go. Clinches the championship. Then, just to kind of put an exclamation point on it, wins the race in Charlotte. Wins the race. Then, parties all night. Him and the King of Data. Billy Stockland, wearing a freaking crown, wearing a robe, walking around with a gold staff, party all night, Robbie, Drew, the whole crew, right? Jack, party all night, load stuff up, go get Shadow from their shop, the Shadow 2.0, their RJ, their flat black, beloved, flat gray. Flat gray, yeah. Flat gray, Matt Gray, I think is probably what I want to say there. Matt Gray, Shadow 2.0, a car beloved by race fans around the globe, no joke, load that bad boy up, head to Valdosta and win win 50 grand winning radio versus the world qualify number one and wins the race holy shit
1: yeah hard to bet against that guy I mean yeah. it's hard to bet <laughs> against that guy
0: yeah I mean that was the last 30 days of this guy's life I mean it's it's it has to be first ballot Hall of Fame the biggest issue he's gonna have is following this up because This has been a storybook, hell of a deal type of season for him. Pretty unbelievable in my opinion. But I want to go back to the point we were trying to make there between the the professional racers and hobby racers. And again, people take offense to that. I don't mean it offensively. I'm not trying to be mean, people. I'm really not. I'm just trying to identify that there is a difference. Between a professional. Between a person who does this every day. For a living. For a living. It's how he feeds his family. Doesn't have another job, right? And people that do it on the weekends for as a hobby. Now, they may have a pro-level hobby, a hobby they take very seriously, right? But there's no comparing the difference between someone like Stevie Jackson. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's sponsored by a foreign country, right, that literally races like every weekend of, of cooperable weather. Mm-hmm. He's on a racetrack. If he's not on a racetrack racing, he's on a racetrack testing. And if he's not doing one of those things, he's at the shop maintaining his stuff as a professional, or or dynoing, or or uh, performing R and D to try to improve. And it's it, a lot of times I don't even know that it's as much the their ability on race day or their ability to go test those maintenance days. That's what a lot of hobby racers don't have the time to do. They don't have the time. To triple quadruple check everything, install you know freshen a motor up before it's before it's due. Mm-hmm. Right, go through a car front to back, but maybe a run before it's necessary. Right, not not just after it shakes real bad, but like stay on top of it. And if you think about what that final round represented, I actually had a really funny text conversation with Keith Barry. Right, here's a guy who's one big right. Mm-hmm. It won big at, at, in Valdosta at Lights Out.
1: Beat Stevie on a whole beat shot. Beat
0: Stevie on a whole shot. And and he was talking about how he felt like the disparity was never more evident than it was this year. And it wasn't, it's not in performance. It's really not. It's just, there's something it's different. You've got in, in one lane, a professional drag racer. Sponsored, got, I mean, got spare bullets, got p- crew chiefs, I mean, all this, it's incredible, right? And then in the other lane, you've got a back half 69 Camaro, right? With a guy who's a Walmart store manager behind the wheel, mm-hmm. right? That's got to go to work today, right? right. Um, not, and not work at a race shop, but like get back and get the store open. And and Susie didn't show up to check, right? So now we got to find someone to call in. It, it's just a to bring it. It's a whole other thing. Two different and dynamics completely. It's dramatically different. And it's... In one regard, it which is speak- kind of cool because you got the underdog. yeah, right. I yeah. mean, because that's the thing is part of me wants to say that it's like a big problem, but it's not because like I've talked to so many racers, I broke bread. Um, if you read my article on drag this week where I break down all the great food options in uh, in Valdosta, Georgia. I have to admit that I wasn't able to go to Outback. Every time I left the track, they were already closed. And that's one of the biggest, most challenging things. When I write those reviews, and we're going to do a ton of that stuff here uh, as we move forward, because people that, that post on the site really performed well. A lot of traffic. People like to talk about that stuff, right? We, we like to talk about what we're eating and drinking. We just do. It's part, yeah. of, part of being a human, I think, in 2019. But I sat down at the bar at Hooters, and I get a text from Brian Shaw, well-known PDRA pro nitrous racer. Um, uh, partnered up with Jamie Hancock, James Hancock, involved with that team, owns Chili Willies, the Chili, the cooler company yeah. they make engine and transmission coolers. He shoots me a text, are you going to sit by yourself? And I'm like, well, I don't even see anybody. And I turn around, and sure enough, there he was sitting in a booth. So I, I dive in, and uh, Matt, the, the, the cat from AED Designs, the vinyl sign shop out there in Virginia, he's sitting there, and we end up sitting down and have this big conversation. And he said, you know, he goes, I completely understand the point you're making because the point I made to him was that like this it, it felt like Mike Tyson versus uh, Michael Johnson right like every once in a while you're going to be Buster Douglas and you're going to shock the world right and you're going to beat Michael, ja- Michael uh, Mike Tyson in Tokyo and, and it's going to be this monumental historic sports moment most of the time though you're yeah. going to be Michael Johnson, and you're going to get your face knocked into the fifth row, and you're going <laughs> to get nearly killed by Mike Tyson. That's what most of the time happens. And he said, "I agree with you, Wes." But do you have any idea how sweet it is to be Buster Douglas? That's all that guy needs for forever. Yeah. That that one moment in time to to defy all odds to be David and and beat Goliath. That's a driving force for a lot of people. Because I think it could be argued that this whole situation, this dynamic that we're illustrating here between Stevie Fast Jackson and, and someone like Tim Slavens, who I've actually known for 15 years and love, love this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get a little emotional every time I see him have this kind of success. It's, it's phenomenal. But there's a big disparity between those two programs. There really is. I mean, budgetary disparities, manpower disparities, whatever – um, and I think it can be argued that it's problematic. But it's also like the ultimate motivation, right? Because it nothing would have meant more. A, Tim Slavens is racing with house money. Mm-hmm. Just being in the final, it's awesome. He's in the final at no mercy. One of the biggest independent drag races on the planet Earth. He can't go wrong, really. I mean, whatever he does is victory. Had he won that race, I mean, hell, you could have hung it up. Look at Keith Barry, kind of did this yeah i did yeah. right he beat stevie jackson in the final of lights out and basically quit racing because yeah. there was nothing more he could do
1: right unless he wanted to step up and right and, and try to and become
0: a professional yep. drag racer yep. but he knew it and it's actually kind of an, that's more of a story than we maybe give it credit for because no, he, don't tell him that Well, but maybe, <laughs> i know i actually did this last night but texting back and forth with keith but it's true man i mean that's what more did Keith have to do? He knew that there wasn't really an opportunity. He has a business to run. There was no real chance that he was going to be able to become a touring professional drag racer. He had, he had beat the best there is at the biggest race there is. Might as well sell everything. Yeah, Build a pool. And that's exactly what he did. Mm-hmm he he sold everything built a pool and dived into his family you know and it's it's kind of a cool thing to think about now at the time i was so bummed out that he was throwing in the towel and that's how i call i, call, I told him that oh i hate to see you throw in the towel but it's he didn't throw in the towel he went out on top he did a pretty smart thing man and you never want to see anyone go away from the sport of drag racing but i just think that's a really interesting conversation am i wrong i mean you got there's so yeah. many things to think about there and i and i brought that up uh, initially because when the last time I'd spoken about hobby racers, I got a really salty text message from, uh, Doug Winters, who I is another guy that I have an infinite amount of respect for. He, he's a guy who has fought. He's a, he's been pro mod racing since before I was born. Basically he's, he, he does it at a high level. He has a real sponsor he promotes his team. He presents the team as a professional. They have really turned the corner performance-wise. They become a player out here. He came out and went to the final round of the World Series of Pro Mod this year, 2019. Um, really put on a hell of a performance out there. Didn't make 600 test passes or anyway anything. Literally spent one day motorcycle riding through the through the mountains or whatever. And then he comes out there, and they were confident enough in what they were doing. That they went to the final, made a bunch of good runs, man, That's pretty cool, and I was just I have a lot of respect for Doug, and I consider him a friend, I mean, I think we're friends, you know i don't I don't know how I don't know if he would agree with that, but I think he's my friend. well, you were <laughs> I think we're friends, right, so I don't think he'll be mad that I'm sharing this, but he sent me a message immediately, um, hey, man, um, easy on the hobby racers, you know, like i don't I have another business, but I don't consider myself a hobby racer, and I said, well. I understand the point he's making. He treats his program like a professional operation. There's no doubt about it. But I asked him, like, can you compare what you do to like Ricky Smith or or to uh, or Stevie Jackson or Todd Tuttero? I don't. You can't. They, these guys. This is all they do. It's how they feed their family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's how they feed themselves. It's how they earn a living. It's how they're going to have a retirement. And I just don't think. No matter how much success you have, no matter how good you are, I don't think you can compare the two. Am I crazy? No, I mean, no, I mean you can't compare the two. And if you look at, and I can pull this up so that we're not just we're not talking out our asses here. Um, let's pull up the NHRA Pro Mod uh, Championship points because I would argue, man, that the the NHRA Pro Mod Championship points may well provide us a very phenomenal example or or an illustration of what we're talking about here so if i pull up the uh, pro mod drag racing series championship points you got to be impressed with how quickly i did that and it was pretty quick it was pretty quick okay stevie jackson we all know takes a commanding You're not not a
1: hobby computerist.
0: I'm not a hobby computerist. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is what you're here for. I'm not a hobby computerist, guys. So Stevie Jackson wins the NHRA Pro Mod Points Championship, 899 points to uh, second place Todd Tudorow, 708. But if you look at the top of this sheet, Stevie Jackson, Todd Tudorow, Mike Janis, Ricky Smith, Mike Castellana, I mean, the, the class, in my opinion, is largely dominated by people that race for a living. I mean, if you look, I mean, because there's a couple of nuances here. Mike Janis and Mike Janis Jr., they definitely probably don't get the credit they deserve because these guys run a big labor-intensive business back home in New York. Like, I mean, these guys have to work hard. And I'm not, you say that stuff and everybody's like, well, I work hard too. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm just saying these guys really are impressive. However, major sponsor, Alinabi Performance race year-round, fly over to Qatar, fly equipment over there, race all throughout the winter. Like, look at the top, man. It's... The thing that really sticks out to me, here's what I'm going to tell you about. Um, Stevie Jackson, Todd Tuttero, Mike Janis, Ricky Smith, and Mike Castellana. Okay, that's the top five in the NHRA points. What do they really have in common? Budgets and testing time. These guys race a lot. If they don't race year-round which many of them do, I mean, year-round, leave America, fly to the Middle East, and race for a month. Like, make hundreds of passes, right? Uh, and that's not an exaggeration. I'm not saying they each make hundreds of passes, but collectively, hundreds of passes are made. A lot of data is gained during these overseas racing series. So the, the thing that they really have in common, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's two, what three blower cars, four blower cars, and a, and a nitrous car, right? Depending on what day it is for Ricky Smith. (laughs) That's true. But, uh, man, those guys race a lot they race a lot and they are afforded the opportunity to race a lot because they're professional drag racers for the most part. Right. I mean, so, I mean, I just really think that it's awesome. The battle that so many of these guys are willing to fight and it is inspiring. And I think it's going to exist for a long time. I mean, you're going to have guys that want to throw their hat in the ring with that group of people because it's so sweet when you have success. And I think you just have to kind of go into it knowing that there's no amount of rules. There's no rule. That's the other issue. There's no rule, really, that can be written to make it fair. Because if you give everybody, like if you literally, if I wave a magic wand, I wish I had one. I'll use this back scratcher, but wave this magic wand around and I give everybody the exact same shit that Stevie Jackson has. He's still probably going to be the best with it. Right? Yeah. Because the cream rises to the top. The guys that, the best guys are going to be the best guys, no matter what the rules are right? So these guys race a lot. They've got the budget to race a lot. They've got the budget to blow stuff up. They've got the budget to hire the best people, to hire the best crew guys, to 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 have the most um, in-depth maintenance programs. That just, it, it drives the bus, man. But I don't want, I have to, I go back to Tim Slavens and Stevie and Valdosta, and I just know how sweet it was for those guys. And I know that that sweetness, that taste, that, that little bit of uh uh, suckling of the fruit of the forbidden tree Or whatever It's going to keep him coming back keep him For the next five back. years it is. Know, at least more maybe. Right Had he won that thing Two things happen when these guys Wins this stuff And Richard Friedman We were talking about this Early in 2019 Mike Salinas won the four wides In a top fuel competition Back in April at Las Vegas Right It was his first NHRA victory It was a huge deal Massive emotion This guy has spent millions of dollars Going drag racing Right And he he wins his first race and I asked, uh, I asked Richard Freeman. We were at dinner. I said, hey, man, so what, what do you think that that win does for Mike? You know what I mean? Like, what's the, what's that make the future? He's like, oh, pff, he's a lock for at least five years. <laughs> you know, like, he ain't going nowhere for five years because it's that intoxicating. It tastes that good. It feels that good. It feels that good to, to win one of these things. It's so hard, man. I mean, look at Jordan Vandergriff. I mean, to win, I've said this a million times, to win tic-tac-toe four times in a row is pretty hard i mean i can do it against you shit i'm just joking but i mean it's it but to win a drag race with a 10,000 horsepower car or a 3500 horsepower car four times in a row in the same day an hour apart i mean that's hard Mm -hmm. it's hard to do man and uh when you get it done and you get it done against some of these well-financed pro-level race teams it's it's pretty spectacular and i really think that that's that's probably what ProMod has going for it right now. I think that's what Radial Racing has going for it right now because that opportunity still kind of exists, right? I mean, you can still, and in pro stock, in NHRA pro stock, even, you know, there are guys out here that aren't part of super big teams that do their own engine programs. And I mean, Matt Hartford, he's a very successful businessman. He just bought Total Seal, he's worked there for many years. Um, but I mean, they don't have their own in house engine program. They're, they're a low-budget team. They, they lease an engine from, from elite performance. And this guy's number two in the points. He's competing for a championship. He's got a legit shot, right? I mean, the same can be said. Derek Kramer leases an engine, right? I mean, he won the last race in Charlotte. He, he was a hitter all weekend this past weekend in Dallas. I mean, there's an opportunity to go out there and upset the apple cart. And I think that maybe during the course of this conversation, Murder Tundra, we've just identified what's wrong with fuel racing. Right, because look at Scott Palmer. Here's a dude that is beloved, right? Huge personality, great history, big story. Just a do-it-yourselfer, hardcore. He he's got a good sponsor. He he's got some budget. Um, he he's he's got a relationship that's very positive with the Capco team. He kind of serves as a third team car. They can't get that thing in the winter circle. They mm-hmm. can't. I mean, he's not won a top fuel race, right? And it just I think that that's kind of the the magic of these door slammer categories right now. That that it's still, the dream is still alive. And you got to give a ton of credit to these guys, the Jeff Deals and the Terry Haddocks and the guys that still go out and fight the good fight in Top Fuel and Funny Car. Cause that deal, that deal's hard. I mean, it takes so much. It takes tune up. It takes people. It takes money. It takes luck. It takes. The, the recipe for success over there, it's... it's uh, And what's interesting is Mike Salinas is a f- fantastic example because you can also have the best parts, right? And you can have the best people. You can have Alan Johnson, Brian Houston. You can have all the baddest stuff. And you cut a 140 light, and you're still screwed. It's over, <laughs> right? So it's a concert. You need a concert of budget... Parts, people, performance, talent. It's hard. It's hard to get all the ingredients. It's hard to get all those ingredients at the same time, at the same place. It's. um, And do it several times in in a weekend. Right? I mean, it's just holy crap, is it hard? You can throw money at it, you can do all these things. But, and then you can have all these people and you can have one guy that's a dick that'll derail the whole thing. Right? I mean, you can have one guy screw up putting air in the tires and it's over. Yep. Right? One timer set wrong, screwed, you know, and it's just, it's crazy. But I really think that that's people, very few people are even aspiring to go nitro racing because it just, I heard with that recipe, I know some guys that had the recipe and it still didn't work. They still couldn't make cookies, right? <laughs> I mean, and that's, I mean, it's, you hear about it. Like I talk to people all the time that, pro, that, that have the resources to probably do it right to, to go do it not go win, but go attempt. And they they all say the same thing. No, thanks. No, thanks, man. Because failure cost a lot over there. Complete and utter failure. Cost you can, a can
1: be the best jockey in the world, but you can't win the Kentucky Derby on a mule.
0: It's a, it's a fact, right? It's a fact, man. And that's what you're here for. That line is what you're here for, dude. So I got to move on down the line here. We we, uh, we did talk about No Mercy. I will say that that final round was phenomenal. I really think that the field of cars, the, my biggest surprise, and we're, we're rolling up on an hour here, so we gotta, we got to rock and roll. But I think one of the things that really surprises me the most and continues to surprise me is the quality of cars that turn up for these events. I mean, if you think about the fact that I'm going to pull up the final qualifying, there were 56 cars that attempted to qualify in Radial vs. the World. Right, I mean, 56 cars, that's a ton, man. I mean, in the bump, not historic like lights out, but it was still a 404. And, I mean, if you think about it, it wasn't that long ago that a 40 was number one, right? Remember when Kevin Mullins went 409 or whatever in the whole world? I remember
1: when he went 411 and the whole world went.
0: Right? Yeah. Right? So now, now he's not even qualified, right? Kevin Mullins qualified number 40th. Um, with a 4.15, you know? And, I mean, I don't know that he was even really attempting to qualify. It might have been just testing. But I'm just I'm trying to illustrate the point that, dude, this thing has gotten out of control in a frickin' hurry. And Which a lot of people said it would be done three or four years ago after everybody we said, We you know? I mean, really. We published a story in Drag Illustrated um, interviewing Donald Long, and he was very candid. I was actually shocked at some of the stuff he said, which is hard to be yeah, shocked I mean. by any. It's very hard to be shocked by anything that Donald Long says. But... He acknowledged that he felt like everything had a life cycle. And he felt like they were they were getting up there, man. they were, they're were heading they were near the end, you know, and it just defies That was a while ago, too. It was I mean man. that was like three years ago. But. At least, at least, man. And I, I honestly believe that this thing is surprising everybody. No matter where you're at in drag racing, whether you're a fan, uh, an industry member or like a statistician, a historian. I don't think there's any doubt that this is defied all odds. The momentum that radio vs the world continues to have is really impressive. I will say that I think we made a valid point that, you know, the difference between the haves and the have nots is um, it's it's apparent. And it's not a money thing. It's not just a dollar thing, but there is a disparity there. But I mean, you think about it, man, there's a whole lot of cars. There were several cars that could have won this thing that are rel- relatively regular people, man. Just regular dudes. And it's to think about all these cars when I look at all these cars that went faster than 379. There were 20 cars that were in the 370s or faster. That's just, just insane. Nuts. Right? It's just nuts. It really is. And I I, I think you, you go to these events down in Valdosta and you're waiting for that um, you're waiting for that uh, big final round with all the people on the starting line, right? The the Quintessential starting line packed with people. That's what you're waiting for, right? That's the moment, and we got it, right? We got it. Starting line packed. Tim Slavens, uh, Stevie Fast. I mean, we got that. We we got that moment. But the real, what's really special is the 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 number of quality cars that are there. That's it. Doesn't get talked about enough because this is a 32 car field that I just don't know where else you could get a. a I don't know anybody else could have a 32 car field of well, that many quality cars well, in been, the country. It's been
1: tried and failed.
0: It has. You know, I mean, I this is that's insane. What, that's
1: what holds the, that's why I think that ra- that race doesn't work as a series. Right. You know, it works because it has, well, he used to have two, you know, and now he has three with the Sweet 16, but, you know, I mean. It, it couldn't be a series. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and, and, it, and, and other people try it and they get a handful of cars, but, you know, nothing like this, you know.
0: And I just think it, I don't, I can't say enough about it, man. I I hope everybody that comes out and fights this fight feels the sense of pride that they should because this class has rapidly advanced. I don't know that there's another example in drag racing of a class that has evolved quicker, that has went from, you know, something seemingly possible to just completely out of the realm of reason. I, I don't think there is an example of anything that has accelerated quicker than radial tire racing you know that this is insane and i'm happy for all these guys man i'm happy for donald i think that it's it does it defies all odds the dude the dude does things publicly that i think would basically be the end of any other promoter but he knows his audience he know that's what i think i see the most in donald is he knows his audience he knows what those people want he knows what they'll what they'll tolerate he knows how far he can push it.
1: Uh, he jumps over the line sometimes and then crosses
0: back. Reels yeah. it back. You know, but he, he knows what the, these, these guys love a Cheeto-eating joke right mm-hmm. this he knows his audience
1: and when there's somebody dressed up as, as Chester, Chester Cheeto, Cheeto. <laughs> yes there was yeah. <laughs> i mean i, I it, thought that was pretty brilliant <laughs> it was i'm going to record
0: a video here in a minute and i'm going to touch on that but and i'll i'll touch on it briefly and be prepared for a video forthcoming but that's the dirty secret i wanted to do a video today and just talk about Donald Long's dirty secret and the dirty secret what what people space what people gloss over is that he works really hard to make sure that everybody's having fun. That place, that deal might be a calamity. You might not know when you're going to run, right? They may, <laughs> you know, cancel the race and split the purse, you know, on Friday night. You never know, right? I mean, it's a wild scene down there. It is. And they'll tell you that. Donald will admit to it. Stephanie, boss X, as she is lovingly known, they'll admit to it. They'll admit that, hey... You may see some people screaming and shouting. You may see some some drama. You may see a calamity here and there. But what you will also see is a ton of people, racers, fans, and industry members, having a ball. I mean, it's drinking. Um, it's eating, it's staying up late. It's wrecking golf carts. It's all (laughs) and It's, it's, we laugh, but it's true. I know pranks. Pranks. I mean, it's all those things, man, people, foot races, gambling. I mean, I I watched a guy flip over a golf cart Friday night and Donald, it was funny. I was in the tower. Him and Stephanie were getting ready to bounce and Saturday was going to be a complete washout. Right. And he goes, dude, you may not want to be here tomorrow. He goes, you give this group of people nothing to do. All day. Yeah. All day. They'll be drinking at 8 a.m. We'll have golf carts barrel rolled. Like, it's going to be a scene. And he's right, you know, because that's what everybody – I mean, you got got, you got racers that have margarita machines in their trailer. Shout out to uh, Mark Mickey and Mark Woodruff. I mean, you've got – I mean, I'll never forget going there and Mark Woodruff had that inflatable big screen. Like, that. remember <laughs> yeah. that inflatable movie screen? And he was playing, like, a fight or something on it. And I mean, just all the barbecues and Kenny Hanna does this big cookout. That's that all of the aforementioned stuff. The dude wearing the Chester Cheetah outfit, right? Right. Brian and Lee, the announcers in the st- in the in the tower, dressed as um, what is it, Harry and uh, the guys from Dumb and Dumber? Yeah. Right. I Brent mean, Brent walking around in his yellow. Yes, yeah, Brent yeah. walking around with a bull horn. bullhorn. I mean, and it was funny, man. I saw some people partying on Friday night that were wearing like. Polos with big companies embroidered on them, right? I mean, it's not just, I mean, people think it's like rowdy for the people that you expect to be rowdy, right? Like some hardcore Southern race fans. Yeah, they're having fun, but everybody's having fun. You go to that race, you go to that race in, in February when it's an off weekend for everyone else. And I was going to touch on this anyways. I did hate, I think I did see a post from our own John for the third a beloved photographer, probably one of the best-known photographers in our industry. He's shot for Drag Illustrated for literally 15 years now. I've known him forever. Um, he made a post on Facebook about how exciting it was to have all this racing to watch. He was at home, and he was watching you know, No Mercy and uh, PDRA World Finals on Speed Video. He was watching the NHRA national event in Dallas on NHRA TV. Like, this is awesome, mm-hmm. flipping around from... You know, one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Um, for me, and that was cool to hear. And it was one of those things that kind of reminded me that, like, hey, my problems aren't everyone's problems. Like, just because it was hard on me um, and kind of killed me that there were three races going on. Those three races, any other time I go to a mall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if they were in successive weeks, if they would have been one weekend, one weekend, one weekend. You'd be gone for Those three are weeks? races I would have been gone for three weeks without question. That's shit my wife knows. She knows if she sees those events, PDRA World Finals, Donald's Race, NHRA Dallas, because that's, we're actually, you know, this not a pretty poorly kept secret, we're, we're talking about relocating to Dallas, I mean, that's now soon going to be our home track, you know, those are three events that we'd have been to, that I'd have been at, without question. They all get piled on top of them, on top of each other, I gotta pick one, you know, and that's tough, you know, and... We had uh, long-standing arrangements that that saw me head into Valdosta, you know. So, anyways, that was um, that was a, a little bit of a tough pill to swallow for me. But that what I saw down there, the secret sauce is how many people are having fun, and literally, I mean, I remember la- back in February we went down to Lights Out, right? Leah Pritchett's there um also you know Alex Laughlin's there because it's an off weekend he was racing his car you got all these people from different walks of the racing life that kind of converge on Valdosta and it's fun man well, it's I even a- managed to have
1: fun that weekend
0: right shocker <laughs> <Yeah>. shocker
1: right <laughs> no, I did I got shocked on the starting you run. did yeah, you, was stun gun
0: did Brian loans
1: electrocute you somebody did I can't somebody I was did. talking to Brian yeah and
0: yeah. you got hit with a stun gun it, yeah. you, you you didn't even really phase you I was disappointed I had several drinks because I thought it would drop you. Like when I saw it do the <laughs> thing, I'm like, uh-oh, Murder Tundra is going to his knees here. But you just kind of shook it off. I was yeah. stunned. Low back, right? Yeah, Low stunned. Back. You, you know, stu- I was stunned, stunned. that you yeah, got literally. stunned and didn't black out. So, But you think that's – I really think that if there's a lot of people that put a lot of effort into trying to figure out what Donald's done and he's so magical and he's the best promoter – I I do think he does a great job. I'm not trying to shortchange him. Um, But I don't think there's any magic necessarily to what he's doing. He's focused on fun. He's focused on making sure these things stay fun. It's lighthearted. He he pisses some people off. People don't know how to take him, right? Well, kind of both. I mean, he tries
1: to because he's always yep, he's, trying to make sure the class is still represented right. right you know. And
0: he'll I mean, he fight for rules. He'll fight. Yeah. He'll fight over things that he thinks aren't fair. He'll fight over legitimacy. And and, and I don't think Donald's always right. I don't. I mean, I, I don't think everything he does is perfect. I don't agree with all of it. But I'm just saying that what I really see in that event, like away from Donald, is I see people having a ball. And for most of these people— how, what did we just do? We just identified that there was a there was a small group of people that do this stuff for a living, and then there's a huge group of people that do this stuff for fun. Yeah, right. That event caters to people that do it for fun. It caters to people that do it for fun, and that's the bulk. That's and the, and the purse is big enough. It yeah. pulls the other people in as well. I mean, it does, you know. man. There's a few just. In there, it's not impossible to replicate. It's not. I mean, you just, but you got to be having fun. You got to believe it. You've got to be, I mean, because Donald gets stressed out or whatever, but he loves it. And you, you know, he loves it. You can tell he loves it. You can, hey, listen, we've all done the disappearing act. Anybody who's put on a party or invited a bunch of people over, you've done the Irish exit. I haven't. You might not have <laughs> I don't. You've no, probably uh, never done no, it. That's I like so the last funny. guy standing there. Like, you are ah. the last guy standing. Who, that is whose great. eyebrows went to shave. <laughs> 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 so true. But I mean, we've most of us, most normal people have done the the Irish exit, right? Yeah, you know, the place is getting crowded, it's kind of headed the wrong direction. I'm going to bed, you know? I've done it a million times. And I've seen Donald do it, right? All of a sudden you look around, where's Donald? In those moments, it's hard. It's hard on people to put yourself out there consistently and, and, and for such long periods of time. And so I don't I don't fault anybody for that. But I do feel that that guy loves what he does. It's very obvious. And that's loving what you do, being excited about it, having fun doing it. That's what gets a Chester, the Cheeto guy showing up. Yeah. the Chester the Cheeto cat. that when you got a dude walking around dressed as Chester Cheetah or whatever that guy's name is, the dude on the Cheetos bag, If he's walking around your drag race, people are having fun. People are having a good time, you know, and it's just and I think what it is, is that you kind of got to do a lot of those things because everybody's tick check boxes are different. Right. Like Stevie has fun probably no matter what he's doing, but he's there to win that money. He's there to win 50 grand against the best guys in the world. You know, there are other people there, though, that are just there to try to qualify. And get their picture taken with the Cheeto dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody's got a different thing. And I just think that that's that's the dirty little secret. I think people think that you have to be controversial. You have to call people names. You have to post a bunch of stuff on social that's, you know, hot button-ish. I don't really think that's it. I don't.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of people that try to steal that, you know, like, and it's, I mean. It's,
0: it don't work. Because it's, know, it's like, inauthentic. Yeah. Like, it's not real. It's contrived.
1: I mean, we all know there's a couple other promoters that try to kind of it, steal the same thunder, you know, like and try to start shit, just thinking that maybe they can ride the coattails,
0: of right? You know, but so, it's not that easy. Yeah, it's not that easy, man. You have to do your own thing, and uh, and I think it just really, to me, it's it's the it's the product of being authentic, to being authentically passionate, authentically enthusiastic um, about what you're doing. Cause when you're passionate about something and you're enthusiastic about it, man, there's no question you're going to have fun when you do it. Right. I mean, if you're passionate about golf and you're enthusiastic about golf, when you go play golf, you're going to have fun. And I tell you what, if you're passionate about putting on races, right. Enthusiastic about it, you're going to have fun when you go do it. Yep. It's not a shocker, you know? So anyways, let's, uh, let's kind of wrap this deal up. I do want to give a shout out to Lance Stanford. I'm rocking one of his awesome. This is the best polo I've ever owned. And this isn't a polo. This is a hoodie. <laughs> okay. This hoodie is, is my favorite hoodie carolina no time hoodie uh look lance up on on uh, facebook this guy does a lot of work for drag racing he really tries hard man and he's a, a phenomenal human being and i think he's done he's a really cool great shit he is he's cool man he's, he's a swag cool man this this pole this why do i keep calling it a polo because you were know. talking about weird polos this morning with no oh colors. yeah it's all my fault it's yeah, definitely sure. your fault but seriously this is the most comfortable hoodie i've ever owned in my life it's like a light blue, it's awesome, and blue's not really my color, but anyways, Lance does a great job, and he does a great job bringing out this no time thing and mixing it into a class race, Mm -hmm. and I just, it's probably my favorite thing that happens at at Donald's races, down there, I love, I don't even know a lot of these people, I don't, I love hearing the car names, I love hearing some of the backstories, I love the little rivalries, I like the call outs, I like the betting, and it's just cool that he's kind of got that whole scene by the balls.
1: Yeah, his his races are great to go to, too. You I mean, know, he's it, just got him it Him and Keith Wustock, I love it, you know. It,
0: there's just, there's something special it's fun. about that stuff. It's fun. Yeah, man. And these guys, they're just, it's just a different deal. And it's so cool that he brings that, like, I mean, it's cool that he brings that like a show. It's like a little booked-in part, of the deal. And I think he does a kick-ass job with it, man. So anyways, I didn't I did want to touch on that. One of the things I thought we should talk a lot about, but we're obviously not going to have time now, is Alex Laughlin's ordeal. Oh, that was awesome. I mean... Right? Yeah. I mean, for those that don't know, basically uh, with the aforementioned scheduling issues, the NHRA national event in Dallas and No Mercy 10 being on top of one another, uh, the you know one being in Dallas, Texas, the other being... In southern Georgia, uh, just south of Valdosta, Georgia, on the Florida Georgia line, which I did not really fully understand how far apart those are until I Google mapped it. They're a long ways away. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's it's by plane only. I mean, if you're going to pull off a deal, if you're going to attempt to race at both of those events, you're airborne a lot. I mean, you need a pri- you need private aircraft is really what you need. And I know Alex had some stuff in place that kind of fell through at the last minute. So the dudes Ubering. And booking flights, man. I don't know how many commercial airline flights he booked. He booked several, like as a failsafe type of deal. Booked several flights. Um, I know that he was waiting on his Uber Friday night at the at Virgin at uh, excuse me, Valdosta at South Georgia Motorsports Park. He's in the tower waiting for his Uber to take him to Atlanta. It's three hours, man.
1: Right. So he can catch a flight. So he can
0: catch a flight. So he took a three hundred and thirteen dollar Uber ride. From Valdosta to Atlanta, caught a flight, and got to Dallas first thing Saturday morning so that he could go try to qualify his NHRA Pro Stock car. And as is common knowledge, like the best air is on Friday night. If you get to, you know, Friday night is, whoever qualifies number one on Friday night, nine times out of ten is staying number one qualifier. Homeboy makes two decent runs. The air is nowhere near as good as it was on Friday. Sneaks into the field. And gets qualified, and I just, it was cool. He also went to like the quarterfinal round in uh, in Valdosta, so he qualified number five, went like a three sixty seven with a five, a little over two hundred miles an hour. Frankie Taylor, tuning that hot rod, that screw blown, Speed Society sponsored uh, Corvette, takes that car to the the round of eight, which very respectable. I mean, and he had a car capable of winning. Mm-hmm. Could he have went bottom three sixties? I don't know that's probably what, that's what I thought it was going to take to win. But uh, he, he had a car that was capable of winning, and it would, uh, it would have been monumental for him to like somehow win both. But there, one of the events would have had to have been hampered by uh, weather in order for that to happen, and it, and, it, and it worked out that way. I don't know that it worked out for anyone as well as it worked out for Alex that they ended up running so many rounds of eliminations on Friday. Down in Valdosta. Just got it out of the way. Got it out of the way. But it was cool that he attempted it. And I think it's something people will talk about for a long
1: time. Would have been really something if he would have done that and tried to fly out of Valdosta Airport every time.
0: Yeah, you ain't leaving. (laughs) No. Yeah, he didn't even attempt that. I asked him if he was going to try to fly out of Valdosta and And we both just simultaneously chuckled. And everybody
1: that's been to Valdosta Airport
0: has probably... You know, if the, you've flown to Valdosta, you've you, been trapped there. Yeah, you've been trapped there. Yeah. A if you've timing. flown to that town, you have <laughs> no doubt been trapped in that town. So, on the on that note, we'll we'll book in this deal with It does look like uh this Pro Stock NHRA Pro Stock Championship's going to come down to the line, um come down to the wire, excuse me. We've got uh a really, really interesting scene brewing there. That I'm, I'm just excited to see kind of how all this plays out, man. It's gonna, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We got Erica Enders like three rounds ahead of Matt Hartford. You got Jed Coughlin, Jason Line, all still in the hunt. It's just gonna be a dogfight all the way to the end. I think Pro Stock has really, it's kind of, in my opinion, has kind of stolen the show. In pro stock, in, in HRA this year. Obviously, the NHRA pro mod show has been phenomenal, but as far as like a, a, a full series, kind of an eight, you know, a, 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 a class that's part of the mellow yellow series, I think they've stolen the show. Pro stock's had. They ins- needed it. They needed it, man. And they've had consistent big car counts, they've had kind of some fresh faces. Erica being running up front does not hurt, man. I, it's no secret that I think that she's a real star in our sport. I definitely doesn't get the, uh, the respect, in my opinion, and admiration that she deserves. She is, in my opinion, the best driver out here. And I just think it's good for drag racing. If she wins a championship, knock on wood, it's good for drag racing. We need people like her winning world championships. It's fantastic, and, I mean, I hope that the NHRA – we can't space these opportunities. I mean, I was very dis- – I don't feel like J.R. Todd, a young African-American, a young, great-looking, well-spoken African-American winning the NHRA Nitro Funny Car Championship. That was not capitalized on. I think that a, was a huge moment in our sport. This guy should have been on The Tonight Show. We should have been running full-page ads in the USA Today we we should have been paying for publicity for this young man, and I I hope that opportunity, uh, if it exists this year, with a young lady from Texas, right, a college grad from Texas that wins her third world championship in NHRA Pro Stock, I I hope we take full advantage of it. Do you agree? I mean, yeah. when those when those things happen, we talked about this earlier, and I'm not comparing her to Patrick Mahomes or whatever, but when these kind of unicorns come along, well, you, I think that's you where the, double down. I think
1: that's where the you know, I guess the NHRA drops the ball a lot of times. You know, they don't push these stars hard enough. You know, the, the stardom of the star, Agreed. you know, not the car. You know, it's we, we talk about, we that talk about it a lot,
0: man. But I do think that there is a, a general fear that kind of permeates our racing world that uh, there's a fear that the, the individual person is going to become a bigger brand than the circus tent itself. I good. think that's a fear, and well, that's good. what you, you want. St-
1: you still know who they are associated with.
0: I think yeah. so. I mean, I think the NBA is bigger because of Magic and Bird, because of Jordan, because of Kobe, because of Shaq, because of LeBron. Oh, yeah. There's no question. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're bigger. They have helped elevate the status of the NBA. And it's a, it's it takes both. It takes two to tango. But I think that there is, in my opinion, in at times in the past – And I'm not blaming anybody currently or anything like that, but I do think there's just a little bit of a culture. I will for you. Thank you. (laughs) You're great for that. But I do think that there's a little bit of a culture of holding back because we don't want anybody to be bigger than the big hat or the the big top, right? We don't want any one person to be bigger than the big top. And that's especially today. That's a that's that's not a winning recipe. That's not a winning formula, man. So anyways, uh, this pro stock championship is going to be a fun to watch. I think uh, the top fuel championship as well. There's a lot of storylines. This is one of those examples when the countdown to the championship is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. The playoff format is working and I'm excited to see what happens. My next stop in I'm home for two weeks, man. This is the longest stretch I've been home. I really, maybe since uh, July or something. Two weeks at home is going to be fantastic, but I'm super stoked to head to Vegas. <laughs> I love Las Vegas. I actually just fired up the old keyboard to to pound out my Racer Eats story on Las Vegas, Nevada. Get to cover some of my favorite restaurants, both well-known and not. It's crazy that it's banks. that time
1: of year already.
0: Can you believe SEMA uh, is yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's at the end of the month?
1: Yeah, that's I mean, crazy.
0: What happened?
1: I don't know. This summer flew by.
0: It really did. And I don't, I can't, uh, I know that's like a cliche thing to say. No, but this one did. It did, right? I I think it did. I mean, because it's it's, it's it's like Halloween.
1: Yeah, it's been a busy year. I think that maybe that helps.
0: Yeah, we have so much going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, and and we will shut this deal down. But I mean, you think about SEMA, NHRA coming up, right? NHRA Vegas, SEMA the next week. We're home for like a couple weeks. Then we go to Riyadh. We go to Saudi Arabia. Wes and Murder Tundra arrive in Saudi Arabia with our with and our corn buddy bread. Mike Carpenter, Cornbread. And this can be hilarious. The three of us in Saudi Arabia.
1: Yeah, I'm not stoked about that drinking ban I saw or whatever.
0: Yeah, dude, like, you can't wear shorts. That's crazy, too. You can't not buy, wear shorts. You're supposed to wear long sleeves, and there's no booze. I said this via text last night, and we'll end on this. You could, you could literally bring peace to the Middle East by letting them guys have some Coronas. <laughs> I know, right? Right? I mean... A bottle of Tito's and a twelve pack of Corona, and I bet everything sorts itself out out over there. Really?
1: It'll either, yeah, it'll definitely sort itself out somehow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it'll either get, it'll either get Everybody's better or chill, worse. or yeah. yeah, it'll get better it, or way it's worse. Be
1: taking care of that night, <laughs>
0: it'll, get, <laughs> it'll get better or way way worse. So, all right, guys. Well, that uh, will wrap up this uh, reaction time Monday. These will be the podcasts that we try to do. On Monday morning is a direct reaction to uh, this past weekend's happening. We uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Sh- huge shout out. Seriously, I I started talking about this earlier and we got derailed. Facebook gives you a little fluff, right? You pull up these views and you see all these people watching or whatever, and it's cool. And you see a video you post and it's got seventy seven hundred views or twenty seven thousand views. And the dirty secret on that is that a lot of times that's just somebody scrolling by it. You know, it's not necessarily someone watching it. Facebook has to make those numbers big. It's how they make money, right? It's how they've gotten people drunk on their platform. And I got to tell you, when I pull up the stats of this podcast, Murder Tundra, it, it it's kind of humbling because this counts downloads. This is people that downloaded this deal and listened to it, right? It, it It's a formula that they use. They allow you to use of downloads, subscribers, actual people who have subscribed to your podcast, and the quality of that 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 relationship so how long they listen
1: you want to know a dirty secret what is it sometimes i sit at my desk and just
0: download it over and over so i can oh, so i can hear you in here going oh my god well hey whatever <laughs> no whatever, I'm joking. No, whatever. <laughs> well i just gotta say huge shout out because when i see those numbers in the thousands <laughs> it's pretty crazy to think about thousands of people listening to what we're saying and we appreciate it. So please spread the word. I got to leave you with the fact that if you leave a, a response or if you leave a, a rating, excuse me, you you give us a five-star rating and you make a comment, it makes a difference. So please leave a comment, share this thing around, screenshot your, your, uh, your iPhone or your Android, uh, God bless you, screenshot that thing and post it on social media and let people know that you're listening to uh, the West Buck Show, man. We appreciate you so much. Thanks, Murder Tundra. Talk to you guys later.